The Antidote's guest is Eric Krusen, who heads the crew at the Chairman Dances. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure. Now, that lame joke about your name hasn't changed your mind about doing this? No, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't believe it's been five years since we last spoke. So, how has life in the COVID era been treating you? It's been interesting. Uh, it's affected all of my bandmates differently. One, one of my bandmates is a parent uh, whose wife is an essential worker, so his life got in unbelievably nuts uh, and has stayed that way this entire time. There are many more stories I could give, but my life has been okay. And we were able to uh, record in the fall of last year, and that, that worked out. We could record live in different rooms. So, yeah, I'll take making a an album during a pandemic as a win, and I don't think I can ask for much more than that. That has been the big change for you. Since 2016, you've had two new releases come out from the Chairman Dances. Now, I do want to get into your latest album, but I'd like to talk a bit about Child of My Sorrow, the band's 2018 album. You gained a lot of traction with that release. Do you think there was something that made it different from your earlier ones? I'm not sure. People tend to tell me, you know, like what they find attractive in a record. That record, and I suppose the new one as well, is sort of more personal, although I I really hate saying that because everything that I write is personal, whether I'm speaking through characters or um, or real people, you know, historical or living beings. It's it's always very personal, but I guess that there wasn't a storyline or, or attached to a historical figure that it, it became clear that, oh, some of these songs have personal meanings behind them. I, I guess people might have gravitated toward it for that reason, though, honestly, your guess is, is as good as mine. I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking about being personal, you opened up Child of My Sorrow with the song Acme Parking Garage. It deals with having an anxiety attack while shopping for groceries. So was that a real life experience for you? Uh, not in a grocery store. That was meant to kind of hype the comedic value of it, I suppose. Uh, although, I mean, I do, you know, like all people uh, suffer in, in my own way. But that was a way for me to make it sort of more absurd. <laughs> um, because those situations always are absurd. Because you're, you're sort of obsessing over a, a specific thing. I have found since writing that record that a lot of maybe suffering that I have had or people around me, it's it's really just our attention span that we're focusing on the wrong thing, for instance. So it's really your like your greatest ally. It's what makes you human. It's it's just your attention and sometimes you just focus in on on one thing and one thing only, and that can cause some problems, <laughs> which is what that song uh, deals with. I do get that. I've never had to deal with an anxiety attack, but I know a number of people, friends and family, that have had to deal with that. Yeah, it, it's it's scary. Um, but, you know, in reading more and working through things, for one thing, it's not all of you. Uh, and for another thing, it's not even like the majority of, of your life, even, even though it seems so, um, if that makes sense. I, I think there's a way that you can kind of obsess over the anxiety and that itself can come become an anxiety I have found. In fact, the new record was kind of a response to that and about um, 
this pessimism around all things politics, et cetera. You know, the strength of your arm is kind of a statement that like you are stronger than than you think and you can do these great things. People have done these great things before you and have suffered and have still come out on the other side and you can do those things as well. Hey, something I should have asked right at the start. I always want to hear about the band itself. Obviously, you're by far the most important one, (laughs) (laughs) but I always want to hear about the other band members. Who's involved? Oh, yeah. I love my bandmates. So, um, Dan Comley plays keyboards, a variety, as does Dan Finn. Um, Our drummer is Kevin Walker. Our bassist is Will Schwarz. That's the core group. And then we have a cast of characters who are, are often involved in our records. Um, Ashley Hartman, Maria Morenzi, Luke Pigott, lots of people that will sometimes write parts for or they'll uh, come up with their own melodies or counterpoint. So it's a, it's a great group. Um, I'm very blessed that they all want to be a part of the music making process. Well, that was the thing I was wondering about. You know, with so many bands, the members are there just to support the vocalist. But with your band, are they a key part in creating the music? You're right. Uh, even like in pop culture, I feel like then gets kind of all the credit, even if they did very little, frankly, like even if uh, a producer wrote the song, et cetera, it's usually just that face that that, that image is very powerful. Um, but for my group, you know, I'll bring them the songs and then we'll hash it out from there. Um, my bassist or my keyboardist might have an idea for for what the drummer should do and vice versa. Um it's almost harder to write like that, I found, because if, if I were to sit down, write my melody, write my guitar part, and then write other things, which I sometimes do, but, you know, write the drums, then you're kind of composing the whole thing. But to collaborate on that, it's much more like you're working on like an opera. We have these incredibly complicated, you know, keyboard parts <laughs> uh, that need to mesh perfectly with my vocals and my, my guitar so they're not stepping on each other. And it really becomes a dance. So yes, they, they are very much involved with the creative process of, of all the songs. If it's a dance, then you don't have two left feet. Yes, that's, <laughs> yeah, and it, but it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to have two left feet um, when you're working in such a way as well. So it, that's why we spend an incredible amount of time, Dave, I can't stress this, on, on arranging. I mean, we'll spend months um, hammering out the songs before we record. But that's what you want to do. You want to have a finished quality product. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I consider this band to be my life's work and I want, you know, people listening to the music 10 years from now, 15 years from now and and have it not seem like an ad hoc thing, but something that can continually speak to them. I want to go back to the Child of My Sorrow album because there's a song on that that's really grabbed me, A Half Mile from Allentown. And I think it's just because I can so easily relate to it you know, leaving a dull past in the rearview mirror. But what about you? Have you actually gone through that yourself? Oh, that that's a great interpretation of that song. I love it. I kind of don't want to touch that. But for me, I, I see that as people kind of like on the threshold of a next part of their life. In this case, it's a couple and um, the passenger, the partner is leaning their head against the car window. And that was an image that stuck in my head. Uh, and that I really liked, and kind of groping in the dark for what's going to happen next. So 
yeah, I, I feel like there's certainly been those points in my life. Um, I think adulthood is a great way to frame that. Not that this answers your question, but it's also a lovely image for me is that I had the idea to write that song when I was actually sitting in church and all of a sudden the rain came down very heavily and started coming through the windows. Uh, and it was just a very beautiful moment. And that was kind of the the impetus for me to write that song. How much of your Christian faith actually shines through in the music? I think it's, it informs everything I do. It's even hard to separate my faith from me. I was nominally religious growing up, but I didn't really have a moment where I felt particularly religious or felt like God was in all, you know, uh, until I was in my mid-20s. And now it's it's everything, you know, it's my aesthetic. The choices that I make lyrically are wholly defined by my theology, you know, like my my idea of God. The new album, The Strength of Your Arm, is out now. And something I found that's much like your previous releases from the Chairman Dances is that it really gives an intimate look into relationships. And a few of the songs go into some of the simple moments in life, like on the album opener, Visited with Powers to Speak. Is it okay to be able to share those memories with others? It's been nice, actually. There's this book by Nabokov called Speak Memory, which is the best title of anything ever. And in that book, he talks about how he didn't include some things, and that's an autobiographical memoir. He talks about he didn't include some things because he wanted some memories for himself to savor, you know. Um, but I guess I guess, kind of going back to my theology is that even though I love his writing, I, I feel like it's okay to share those things. I'm not one to post things online that are personal. I'm very private. But I feel like in art... I can take the time, and I, I do when I'm writing, that I can present these things in a way that I'm proud and that I want to be in conversation with people. So it's actually an incredible gift that someone would listen to. So in that song, it's it's really about my dad, That's you know that people can enter into that kind of intimate space with me and my memories. Um, it, it's, a real, it's a real gift. You're able to do this through song, but if you were talking one-on-one you'd find this difficult to do? Well, I talk, as may be evidenced by this interview, I find talking difficult in general, but... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say well, that. Well, okay. Um, but yeah, it's easier for me to write in creative forms. It's certainly easier for me to express myself. It's nice because you, you have all this time to think and reword, well, that, you know, that wasn't exactly what I meant. Marilyn Robinson who I may mention multiple times, is kind of my hero. She's the reason I'm a Christian. I, I love her immensely. I remember listening to an interview where someone talked to her and said, what's the difference between writing and prayer? And she said that writing is more honest. What she meant by that is, and she's a very prayerful woman, is just that, you know, when you pray, you're hoping for certain things or that you will do certain things. But when you write, that's really when the rubber hits the road, right? You know, you have to show that. I mean, you, you have to be good. Your writing can't be slovenly, right? You have to honor your characters. They're complex beings. And so, especially writing about my dad, I wanted to take a long time and, and get it right. And hopefully that comes across. How does it work for you? I mean, it, it sounds like you're more of an author 
more so than being a songwriter. Yeah, I guess I, I get that partially from, from Maryland, but also, so I, I studied musicology in school and got to read about how authors or composers wrote and, you know, the greats, um, which are not necessarily the people, the names we know, because so many wonderful people make wonderful art, but they spend a lot of time on it, you know, not in an obsessive way or a way that, you know, sounds like they've been impaling themselves on their art, but um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're trying to make a statement that's going to outlast you. And I'm more interested in the artists that are trying to do that than the ones who are trying to do something very quickly. You know, we record quickly. I do find improvising those sorts of like extemporizing very exciting, but lyrically, I honestly, I kind of don't. <laughs> uh, I like to be able to say what I mean to convey something very specific. Well, you were talking about the art, and obviously some art is unusual. And I think that's where you borrowed the band name, The Chairman Dances, because the only reference I could find for the name was a piece of music in the John Adams opera, Nixon, China. So there must be a story there. Oh, that, that's a wonderful opera. When I was studying music, uh, I found John Adams. I, I had known about Steve Reich, who I wrote my thesis on, but um, I didn't know John Adams. And for those of you who are listening who don't know, he's a, he's a wonderful uh, contemporary classical composer, one of the best. And he has a number of operas. That first one is, is called Nixon in China. Uh, Alex Goodman wrote an incredible libretto for it that's in tetrameter, if, you're, if you like poetry like me. Um, I guess I, it, it's interesting. I'm not referencing, like by naming my band that, I'm not referencing uh, uh, Chairman Mao, who is the one who's dancing, or that work, you know, I, but I, I just love it. <laughs> like, I, love, I love that work so much. And I, I mean, talk about artists who are really particular in thinking about their art and creating these incredible worlds, you know, that really sums up Alice Goodman and, and John Adams. So usually when people know or are kind like you and look it up, you know, you're our target audience of people who are into weird art. <laughs> That's why you're on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let me pull in a song because often I get the impression that you're really trying to offer some instruction or guidance I find that on, I pulled the sheets back over my head. But you can't be saying with the song that we should be living like an ostrich and stick our head in the sand. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, and in that song, too, the narrator is, you know, he's just there trying to do everything right. They, they knock on their neighbor's door to make sure they're doing okay. They, they keep up with the news. So they're not trying to lead an insular life. They're just... Um, trying to get better, as the as the chorus says. I have to say that you really put me to work with a few of your song <laughs> lyrics. Even when I did some research, I was still left out in the cold, like on the song The Way You Thought. And it mentions the Savoy restaurant, a wife wanting a child, and the author, Willa Cather, and a character from one of her novels. So I don't get it, though. How does all that relate to each other? Yeah, it's not it's not easy. Uh, yeah, so my band had played at that venue, which is in Albany. Uh, so in some ways, it, it's personal, but I was thinking about these different things. Uh, one is 
the life of a musician, um, which is describes me. It also describes this uh, this man Jack Rose. <laughs> so I'm just adding to the names that you would need to research for this song. Um, who is a musician from Philadelphia, and he died tragically of a heart attack when he was uh, in his late late 30s. Uh, but he was just touring constantly, and I actually worked with his wife at the library where I work. She was a lovely woman. Um, he was burnt out and thought that he was never gonna, never gonna be able to have time to improve and make better art than he had already made. And that is exactly the feeling that, frankly, I was feeling at the time, which thankfully I've moved on from because I've grown a little bit. Um, and it's also how Willa Cather felt and how Willa Cather's narrator feels. So these things, believe it or not, they are linked. I bring in Willa because greatly she proved herself wrong. So she wrote a novel about not being able to write good novels and it was a great novel. And was, what's even more wonderful is that she would outdo herself because she wouldn't write her best work, which is Death Comes for the Archbishop, in my opinion, for years to come. So she felt that her best work was behind her. The press certainly agreed with her. Um, but it wasn't true. Her best work was still in, ahead of her. That's how I feel like the end of that song is kind of like a moment of levity where the person kind of comes out of themselves and realizes, oh, I've been, I've been staring at this too long that, you know, I still have important work to do here. So is this how you're feeling about yourself? Because I think one of your songs mentioned about turning 38. Do you think that your best work is still ahead of you? Yeah, so that is also in that song. Um, I, I often add a few years to my age, although I'm, I'm turning 36 soon, maybe to make it relevant. So when I sing at the shows for a few more years, I, I'm not outdated yet. But yeah, I do feel optimistic about about writing. I've, I've come to a point in my life where I'm just really at peace with making art. I do it because I, I love it and I look forward to making art every day. I'm playing at the ordination of my friend this this coming weekend and I arranged to him and I I can't wait to play it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the future. It's a it's a wonderful thing. Heading back to the lyrics, is that something purposeful about the chairman dances? Like you're really wanting people to dig deep into your lyrics? Yeah, if they're interested, I think there's things there for them. And yeah, I I'm trying to kind of like create a little world for people to step into. Uh, for this album too, I, I uh, formatted a number of the songs as free verse poems. So if you, if you like that, you know, that's there for you too. So, you know, the songs exist in different forms is what I'm getting at. There's, there's like lots of history behind the lyrics. Um, there's the song itself. There's the poem. Um, there's the artwork. Those, those are what my favorite, you know, pieces of art do. There's always more to find out, you know, I love it when you have those books where, you know, you read it a second or third time and you go, oh, wow, how did I miss that? This grand reference that's almost like a metaphor that ties this whole chapter together. And I didn't know. Um, yeah, the, all of my favorite works do that. Well, you spoke about freeform poetry. You could almost say that the music of the chairman dances is also freeform. <laughs> And that's probably the most consistent thing about the band is its inconsistencies. You know, I do mean that in a good way, because you're never afraid to switch styles from one song to the next. And I find that comes out on the song titled 
changed everything, and that's why it's so appropriate, the title. It really does change everything. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad that, that you like it as well. I mean, I do love music that, you know, stays with a certain, you know, palette of colors, palette of timbres, to mix metaphors. Um, but I also really love the, the albums that, that don't, that kind of dabble here and, and there. I don't think it's it's jarring. I, I never want it to be that far removed. But yeah, and, and changed everything. Like you said, I, I play marimba uh, on that song, which it, it's an instrument we've never played before, which was exciting. There's also harp on this record. I, I got to write some some parts for a great harpist who lives in my neighborhood who I didn't know. So yeah, there are new uh, new sounds to be heard for you know those who may have been listening to the chairman dances for a while. There are you know new new oral treats. Well, then who are you writing the music for? Is this for yourself or is it for the listener? Oh, I I love being in dialogue with people. Um, so I guess I guess the answer is both. I mean, I first and foremost, I do it because I feel compelled to do it. If that doesn't really answer, but I guess that's but that's ultimately why. And yeah, being able to talk to people about it and hear what they think it, to talk to talk to you, Dave. Honestly, um, you know, even these these conversations, interestingly, kind of like affect the art I make afterwards, and that's it's just all kind of all part of the fun. The songs of the strength of your arm do relate to each other. Was that intentional? Yes, very much so. Um, I wanted to write kind of for for the times, I guess, so to speak. But I wanted to write in a very particular voice. Um, and I didn't think that it was a character and it turned out not to be one character. It's a number of characters and different people, sometimes drawing from my own experiences, as we mentioned that song about my dad. But yeah, it's kind of people being in awe, people honoring others. Um, that, that song changed everything, actually, because I was remembering uh, sitting on this church board meeting um, and we were talking this woman, Yvonne, who's a neighbor and she's great, uh, was talking about how, you know, she wasn't religious at all. She's a professor at a university. And then she she just kind of started speaking and was just like on another plane uh, talking about having kids and that her life was just turned upside down and never, you know, things have never recovered, but, you know, in a really beautiful way. And so all the the songs kind of have those, I don't know if you'd call it a crisis moment, but... Um, a real like human moment where you know light breaks through and every song does that the song uh, away through hell is kind of me remembering conversations with my coworker Catherine about her having kids they're all they're all very personal songs uh, whether they're about me or, or my loved ones why don't we finish up this talk with the title track of the strength of your arm you know by naming the album after the song it must mean that it's important to you. Oh, very much so. So lyrically, I wrote this song a couple of days after I found out that this woman who uh, was a big part of my life, she had passed away and she passed away the year year before. Um, and so I called her husband, uh, Rick, and I said, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't know that, that she had passed. And, and we talked and the song is really my remembering her and 
how wonderful she was, how how funny she was. I mentioned in the song that her shoes would always be untied. Uh, <laughs> she was always she, she was this very very slim woman, uh, but also very strong. I mean, she had a very uh, strong voice, uh, very brilliant, had very strong convictions, um, and also could just do a lot. Uh, we both volunteered at this soup kitchen, and she was always the person who was kind of doing the most work, even though she was usually the oldest person there. So that that's what brought that song about. What do you think with the album itself? What are people going to gain from that? I hope that it provides um, a vision. That's kind of what I want all of my art to do. I mean, that's the role of faith in general. You're kind of like projecting this incredible vision, right, um, mm-hmm. out there. And that's what I want this album to do, too. Um, obviously not on such a grand scale, but to be part of that that greater vision of of care and of awe and of respect, uh, of stewardship. Yeah. Eric, thanks for this talk about the chairman dances. And maybe we, we shouldn't wait five years for our next talk. Okay, deal. Uh, I'll take you up on that. <laughs>